Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome back to A Minor Detail. Uh, you can find us on the web at aminordetail.com, and we are on the web also at blogtalkradio.com slash aminordetail. Eric Beasley has the night off this evening, and he is resting well after a long weekend, as he said. So um, I hope that Eric is enjoying this Sunday night with his family. My name is Ryan Miner. You're listening, as I mentioned earlier, to A Minor Detail. We do a weekly Sunday show at 9 o'clock p.m., and we also do a podcast. We turn the show into a podcast after the show is complete, and that is available on Stitcher Radio and on iTunes. And you can find us there by typing A Minor Detail. And uh, tonight we have a very intense show lineup Um, If you have been following the news um, in the last week, Montgomery County Council, or excuse me, rather, uh, the Montgomery County Public Schools um, has recently um, experienced a tragic incident in the Rockville High School rape. Um, I'm going to have tonight as a guest Montgomery County Councilman George Leventhal. He's going to join the show, and we're going to have a serious discussion about this issue And George is going to offer some perspective into the incident. He's going to talk about the school system, and uh, he's going to hopefully bring a little clarity um, that is much needed to this tragic incident. And it's it's a terrible thing that happened um, right here in Montgomery County inside of our public schools. Um, And we'll get to the crux of that. Um, So any moment now, uh, Montgomery County Councilman George Leventhal He's going to join the show, and he's going to call in at 646-716-5971. And also on the show uh, tonight, oh, I think we have our guest, Councilman Leventhal. Welcome. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm fine, but it sounds like my son or my wife is calling me. I'm on a, a, a talk show right now, uh, Chico. <laughs> can you just let them know I'll call them back? Great. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, Councilman. It's good to hear from you. Uh, I appreciate you calling in tonight and spending, um, you know, I know you're a very busy man and you have a county full of uh, a million people plus to, and you've made time for this show. So I sincerely appreciate that. Well, you're a, you're a friend and I'm happy to do it. Well, you as well. And let's get right into it. Um, Councilman, we've heard um, for uh, almost going on now for two weeks, um, the very tragic incident that occurred right here inside of our county and this incident the alleged rape that took place at montgomery county uh, i'm sorry at a montgomery county high school rockville high school that is and the incident has sparked not only a local and statewide but a national outrage and um for for various reasons and for 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 differing reasons and any rape that occurs inside of our high schools, especially inside of our high schools, um, you know, as parents, you're a parent, I'm a parent, um, it's horrifying. And, you know, the first thing that we think of is the victim. And our hearts go out to this young girl who reported this heinous crime, this disgusting act. And, you know, I, it's it's hard to talk about because we're, we're both parents and we just, you know, we just really – wish this thing could have never happened, but if there's anything that we can do, we're we're trying to do that, and hopefully this show brings a little bit of clarity. But, Councilman, when you first learned about the incident, 
Um, and what was your reaction? What were your initial feelings? Well, look, it's it's really shocking, and I think um, the the terrible damage that uh, the victim has experienced is something that will stay with her for the rest of her life. So, uh, the most important thing I think is for all of us to support the victims of rape to understand that they must remain confidential, that their privacy is paramount, um, but certainly also to make available um, uh, rape kits and uh, treatment for rape victims as broadly as possible. I'm chairman of the Healthy Montgomery Steering Committee, and we've been discussing expanding the availability of forensic testing after a rape. Right now, it's only available at Shady Grove Adventist Hospital, and that's unfortunate because you know, if if a rape victim um, experiences something far distant from Shady Grove Adventist Hospital, it's not always convenient to have to go there. We have six excellent hospitals in this county. So so that's a conversation we've been having. Um, as you know, our Attorney General, Brian Frosch, has been emphasizing the important importance of keeping rape kits current so that they are um, uh, refreshed and replaced regularly and that, um, you know, a victim can, can have the testing done and uh, and the perpetrators can be caught. So, um, but but I I I do have to say I think that there was a rush to exploit this crime for other reasons and other purposes, and and that's really really regrettable. This was a, a horrible and tragic event that happened in the life of the victim, and that that's really what the conversation ought to be about. Yeah, according to the Baltimore Sun, the two teenager, two teenagers were accused of raping a ninth grader at Rockville High School last week um and the 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 two names um ir- irrelevant but um i i i don't want to butcher their names or mispronounce them but i think it's montano who is the 17 year old in sanchez milan who is 18 um and according to the report they allegedly took turns raping a 14 year old girl in a high school bathroom and then they became the public face of the immigration debate that is raging in this country, somewhat fueled, people could arguably say, um, by President Trump's rhetoric about the rapist. And uh, he made a, another comment that said they were bad hombres during – I remember during a, one of the uh, presidential debates. Um, so, I mean, that's the rundown of the incident. Um, a, a lot of people think that the Montgomery County Council have ex- some somewhat – autonomy or exclusive control over the Montgomery County Public Schools, and that's not altogether true. So what, a, what it's not, oversight... It's not true at all. Yeah, uh, It's exactly. not true at all. We don't run the public schools. Um, we do appropriate their budget. We do have an education committee. Uh, but under state law, the schools are run by the elected school board, which hires the superintendent, and then the superintendent hires the staff. So uh, they're an independent entity, um, they're not an agency of county government, although we do provide their funding. Right, and which so to clear up any misconceptions of what how the council interacts with the public school system, there's virtually no oversight that Mag- the Montgomery County Council has over the public schools. You know, I mean that's an ongoing conversation. I I think that um, we're all colleagues, and there have been issues that um, I mean, f- for example. When I heard about the rape, uh, I sent an email to the staff member for the school board who's been very responsive to me, and I asked, will the school system be issuing a statement, and what are the lessons learned from this horrible incident? And that's a fairly frequent thing. I'll ask the school system 
to respond to my constituents about something they're asking or what lessons have they learned when something goes wrong. This was something that could not have gone more wrong. This was just an absolute disaster. And um, certainly we're, we're watching it very carefully, and I hope that the school system uh, reviews its security procedures and gets outside advice on its security procedures. So, so uh, you know, is it direct oversight? I mean, that's sort of an ongoing question, but we do not – I mean, number one, we're the legislative branch of government to begin with, so we only run the agencies that – report to the legislative branch, like we have an office of legislative oversight and we have the county council staff. County departments are run by the county executive and the school system is run by the superintendent who works for the school board. So, um, so those are the arrangements. We're not, we're not responsible for the day-to-day operations of the school system, but we, we watch it very carefully and we work very closely with them. And of course, we're all shocked and appalled and horrified by this terrible crime. Yeah, exactly. So uh, when these crises occur and when these incidents come down, sometimes it's been my experience and has been I've been following the conversation on social media. Um, People often um, (laughs) misappropriate or misallocate of (laughs) the division of labor and they often misconstrue, you know, who controls what. So I'm glad you cleared that up. The investigation has been turned over now to the Montgomery County Police. Um, the school system turned it over to the police. So, Councilman, are there any other details that you can openly discuss that would help Montgomery County citizens and citizens outside of the county and even around the country better understand how this incident may have occurred? I'm not sure I'm the right one to to, to do that, Ryan. I don't have the minute-to-minute details, and um, the police investigation is underway. So, uh, you know, I think it's been widely covered, and, um, you know, tragically in the uh, morning on um, Thursday, a week uh, a week ago Thursday now, um, this uh, woman was pulled into the bathroom and violated. So um, I think – I think what the – I don't know any more than the public knows what's been reported in the media uh, in, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the, the minute-by-minute details of what happened at Rockville High School, and the police are investigating. Well, let's discuss the granular just um, a little bo- a little bit more in depth. You know, an 18 year old student was taking classes with a 14 year old girls, and, and while high school students range in age, and it's and it, you know it's not unparticularly so, it's not particularly can I just be clear about something. So neither no. of the suspects were in class with the victim. Okay. The victim did but not take were... class. The victim did not take class with either of the suspects. She was not in class with them. Okay, but they were in they a were different still... program and they did not take classes together. Okay, but but they they do yeah. attend the same school, and you know she was um, abducted and violated on school grounds, and that's a tragedy. But but ninth graders and twelfth graders obviously attend classes in the same building, um, and fourteen year olds and eighteen year olds do attend school in the same building. And true, so, true. So yeah, but they were not in class but, together. Okay, and it, but it, I was going to say that it's it's not particularly uncommon for high school students to be mixed in with 14 year olds. I mean, they, they, they sure, range they from they can the, act together in the school play. They can sing together in the choir, sure, they can, of course, um, you know, take art classes or specialty classes. Absolutely. You do have 14 year olds and 18 year olds in class together. But as it happens in this case, the victim was not in class with the suspect. Right. And both students were reportedly involved with English as the second language classes and English was their Obviously, their second language. They were the um, both suspects. This, we, we really don't have sus- any information about the victim, and nor are we entitled to any. But the the suspects no, were both. Yeah, the suspects both had limited English proficiency, and they were in the 
the METS program, which is a, a program for to bring students up to proficiency in English. Parents are asking if they believe it's appropriate for these students to be enrolled in classes during the day, or I mean, do, with that you said they weren't in the in the same program. However, Councilman, I mean, do you think that there could have been an alternative education plan that may have better suited them or met their so needs? So neither of these um, suspects had a criminal record. There wasn't the school Correct. system had no basis for treating them any differently than any other student, and so. Um, you know, a lot of the questions that have been asked are reasonable uh, if you don't have the information. Um, are there criminal background checks run before a student enrolls in school? No, there are not. And um, had there been a criminal background check, uh, nothing would have come up because neither of these suspects had any criminal record. Right. Well, let's discuss the law a little bit here. And we know because it's been reported that one of the students' immigration status was in question. In fact, both of them were in question, and it's been reported that one of the students was stopped last year and had a pending, a pending alien removal case against him. However, according to our United States Supreme Court, and I want you to talk directly about this case, Montgomery County right. Public Schools cannot legally turn any student away who seeks a public education. Can you, what do you make of this? And let's talk about that particular Supreme Court case. Right. So that's been settled law ever since 1982, not only in Montgomery County, but in all 50 states. The case arose in Texas where um, a school district, um, you know, suggested that it was not obligated to provide an education to people who are not authorized legally to be in the country. And it, the case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said that the, every school system in every state must provide a, a public education to any student resident in the county. So resident means, you know, you live here, you sleep here at night, you, you have some sort of identification. It could be a, a, a rent check, a utility bill that indicates that you do indeed live in the county and the school system is obligated by law to provide the education. So, um, so it's not some special policy here in Montgomery County. Yeah, and we're talking specifically about the case Plyer versus Doe, um, 457 U.S., uh, U.S. 202, 1982, which yep. was a case in which the United States Supreme Court struck down a state statute denying funding to education to illegal immigrant children, then simultaneously struck down a, mun a municipal school district's attempt to charge illegal immigrants an annual $1,000 tuition fee for which each illegal alien student to compensate for the lost state funding. So in, in turn, this case was decided that our public school systems in our country cannot legally deny anyone that seeks a public education. So That's correct. Y there is a lot of misconceptions, and even I – I mean I, I had to tell you, I had to do significant research. I mean past the point of being angry, I had to decide to myself, okay, I want to learn a lot more about what this case means so I can put it into perspective so I can speak intelligently but also channel my obvious anger that we all share but do so reasonably and have a conversation about this. That's the point of us having a conversation tonight. There's been a lot of nasty comments spewed towards the public school system, towards well, Montgomery yeah, County. I mean, there were threats of violence against Rockville High School. So, you know, the trauma that the students were experiencing of having a, a fellow student uh, you know, shockingly attacked um, was then compounded when 
individuals, whether they were here or elsewhere around the country, threatened the school and threatened violence against the school and threatened violence against uh, foreign students at the school. So that certainly doesn't make the situation better. It, it, that certainly doesn't comfort any uh, families at the school. So, um, and look, there were violent threats um, against elected officials in the school system, against council members. Um, it's been quite a week, you know. We, the this this horrible incident has unleashed um, uh, emotional responses in the media and also from members of the public. And you know, I hope now some days have gone by and we can all take a deep breath and understand what the facts are and continue to to feel sympathy for the victim. And then the school system needs to concentrate on lessons learned in terms of security and preventing preventing uh, violent incidents on school buildings. You know, in school buildings in the future. No, I agree. And it, 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 this is a, an emotionally driven issue because it factors in um, – it, it, it has very potent political consequences. And I hate to say that, but people are using this as a, a political wedge issue unfairly to advance political causes. Now, I think that people have a reason to be angry, but it's important to channel that, angry, that anger into constructive dialogue. And I have seen – our social media feeds blowing up with plenty of, I would say, immaterial discussions and just a lot of anger against legal immigrants, a lot of anger towards um, uh, you know, our elected officials, um, our superintendent of schools. And so, you know, Councilman, have you experienced any of that in the past week or so? I mean, have, have, yeah. have you heard from constituents who blasted yeah. you or who have made some really nasty and wretched comments? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes to all of that. Yes. I, emails, phone calls, all of that. Uh, you know, social yeah. media postings. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and I, you know, I mean, I've been in elected office for 15 years now, and um, from time to time, your constituents get angry about something, but the, the um, intensity and the focus on what you know what i think is a, is a tangential issue um and and the lack of understanding of facts i mean why doesn't montgomery county prevent unauthorized immigrants from being in the county um they're they're just if you if you take that to a logical conclusion there really isn't a way for the county to do that within the law so you know if we were if if the police or the public library or any other county agency were to start uh, checking everyone's ID to see if they're legally authorized in the country. Um, you know, Ryan, I don't know if you carry your passport with you at all times. I think most county residents would find that extremely annoying and inconvenient. Um, it's interesting to me that some of the same people who complain about a five-cent tax on plastic bags also complain that we don't do more to harass and uh, make life miserable for unauthorized immigrants. You know, I, there are nuisances and annoyances in daily life and i would hope that county government would try to facilitate a high quality of life and and um, you know help people to enjoy living here not to to persecute them and harass them and there just isn't any way to target unauthorized immigrants that does not lead to violation of civil liberties and racial profiling so u.s citizens are going to be put at a disadvantage if local government takes it upon itself to enforce immigration laws uh, we're going to be held up in court. There's going to be violation of civil liberties. There's going to be racial profiling. That has happened. Um, Maricopa County, Arizona, was a, a very uh, prominent example 
where the former sheriff, Joe Arpaio, who finally lost his election last year, took it upon himself to um, ask for immigration uh, documents at traffic stops and, you know, harass and um, uh, pester ordinary people. Uh, and um, the Department of Justice prosecuted him and, and he lost. I mean, it, it just isn't it just isn't feasible to um, make life miserable for any category of our residents without making life miserable for uh, a whole lot of unintended targets. And and um, and that's illegal. <laughs> so, you know, but, that, that's but, not government's you, job. Government's job is to protect and serve the people who live here, not to pester and harass them. Well, and we certainly don't want to pester and harass anyone. And as a staunch civil libertarian as I am, um, I, you know, councilman, you know me and you've seen my Facebook. I don't want to be bothered by police for any reason whatsoever. And if I have to do talk, if I, I have to talk to police for any reason, and not to say that I, that I have to, but I'm extremely cautious, and I, I turn on my cell phone, and I record the interaction, and moreover, I exercise and flex my, my civil rights that are afforded to me under the United States Constitution. And with all that said, however, you, you can understand, though, why people are outraged at this incident because these two individuals who are allegedly – and let's – Let's use the word alleged because none of us were there. None of us saw the incident. However, people in this community and elsewhere are, I believe, justifiably angered because these two individuals um, were once stopped um, for being in this country illegally, let go, and then they are now in our public schools, and there's no way – you know, there's no law to, to stop them from being in our public schools. Can well, you understand and right appreciate correct? Right. Yes, for committing an alleged rape. Right. Co yeah. Correct. But yeah. but you can understand and and sympathize and even empathize with certain with certain perspectives that um, perhaps that if they were never in our country illegally, this may not have even occurred. And that's that's a sentiment being expressed by many many people. And I'm sure that you've heard similar feedback from others. Oh, of course. Uh, look, I, I think. It's important to keep the facts in mind, and I think it's important not to generalize. These are two people who, if they're found guilty, uh, will be punished, and um, a, a horrible crime was committed, and these are the suspects in the crime, and um, I don't have any sympathy. My heart does not go out to any perpetrator of a violent crime. Um, my feelings about perpetrators of violent crime my own feelings don't change based on where that person was born or what language that person spoke or um, that person's immigration status. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, sad, you know, look, look, we had this very strange event where um, a, a teenager in Jerusalem has been found responsible for bomb threats at the Jewish community center here in Rockville. Um, now, are we Outraged at all Israelis? I, I, I don't think we are. I, I think this was an aberrant case of a guy who committed a crime, and I don't think we use that to generalize that, oh, my goodness, Israelis are all criminals, um, right. any more than I would think that in this case we would generalize that in the case of this terrible rape that all Latinos are criminals or that in the case of the man who um, uh, murdered people at, in the Charleston church that, uh, you know, all white men are criminals. I mean, there are criminals, and some small percentage of the population is a criminal, and you don't generalize based on the ethnic or demographic characteristics of every criminal, that therefore everyone with those ethnic and demographic characteristics is a criminal. That's not, that's, that's, 
it, certainly it government be. can't operate. Certainly government can't operate that way. No. I mean, we, everyone's entitled to the presumption of innocence, and everyone has civil liberties, and we're just not going to go down the road of racially profiling and harassing and pestering um, everyone who appears to be Latino. We're, we're not going to do that. I, I know that, um, you know, some might suggest that that's the right thing to do. And as I say, they, they really tried that in Maricopa County, Arizona, and some other communities have tried it. And, yeah, and uh, that's Prince wrong. Prince William County, and Virginia. Prince William County, Virginia. Hazleton, Pennsylvania. There are communities and that Sheriff, have... And in each of those er- cases, it's been struck yeah, down I mean, in you, court. The courts have said you, you can't... You mentioned earlier, Sheriff, yeah. Sheriff Arpaio. That yeah. that man w- is is one of the worst elements of, of, of America, and he was yeah. rightly defeated. And in fact, I donated to the person, um, to his campaign that defeated him because yeah. he was so egregious in his methodology to track down and, as you mentioned earlier, harass people for no apparent reason and often violating civil liberties. The guy is – should have never been in elected office, and I'm I'm even I'm so concerned that this man was ever even elevated into the position. But I want to go back to something that so else we're not going to go down that road in Montgomery County. No, and, and we you should. People can make phone calls to our offices and threaten violence against us, and <clears throat> I, I hope everyone will just take a deep breath. And <clears throat> we need to. We're all in this together. We've got to <clears throat> live together, and we've got to relate to each other in a civil manner. And uh, we kind of lost track of that this last week. I, I agree. Um, and look, Council President Berliner, he made some public comments that sparked further outrage in the community. And Councilman, in 2005, you were Montgomery County's council president, so you're aware of the pressure you're under when the media and other folks are seeking a response to um, these incidents that occur. I mean, bad things are going to happen in this county, as he said, but do you believe – Council Berliner's remarks, do you think they were measured, or do you think that his comments – do you think his comments assuaged our community or sort of exacerbated the problem? Um, I, I don't want to criticize things that um, my colleague said in the heat of the moment, and I know you know, he and I have talked about it, and I know that some of the editing and uh, you know, he, he had a long quote that was clipped and snipped to be a short quote, and um, I was disappointed by the sensational coverage – um, I'm not going to call out any, <coughs> excuse me, particular channels, but um, I don't think they uh, did themselves any credit this last week by sensationalizing this crime. Well, the incident made its way to the White House, and what do you make of White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer's reaction? I think it would be a shame if anyone reacted with happiness to this horrible event that victimized a young girl. And unfortunately, I think some who want to promote divisiveness and hostility towards immigrants were actually happy that this occurred, and I think that that's scandalous. Um, Governor Hogan also issued a very stern response in the public. What do you make of his response? Governor Hogan's initial response was irresponsible. Um, He Mm. accused the school board of not communicating, which wasn't true. Um, Then he modified those comments and you know he he had a lot to say over the course of the week and as the week went on he was more temperate and measured as a governor should be he had been fully briefed by the school system and by the police department and he had a better understanding of what was going on so you know i think the lesson for my colleague roger berliner and the governor uh, hogan is you know just make sure you know what you're talking about if you're going to speak to the press and um i think governor hogan didn't no, 
and you know on the specific case of why were these people in public schools in the first place um it it isn't uh, you know it just takes that's a question you ought to ask the school system before you start raising all kinds of alarms in the media well he seemingly so Governor Hogan has it. access to better information than uh he he let on in his first few comments and you know Montgomery County is the largest county in the state and Governor Hogan, I believe, got more votes in Montgomery County than in any other jurisdiction because we're so big. So, you know, it, it may he may have a grudge against Montgomery County because more voters did not vote for him, but a heck of a lot of voters did vote for him. And regardless, he's all of our governor now. And so to take shots at Montgomery County, um, you know, which is nearly a fifth of the whole state's population, um, I don't think that reflected credit on him. But he did modify his comments well, as the week went on, and he was more cooperative well, you know, that's what I wanted to mention. Exactly. I think he got a briefing later. I think his, you know, and and again, I don't want to hold people's comments in the media too hard against them because um, they're not always well prepared, and the media sometimes takes things out of context. So I think that may have happened with the governor. I don't know. Well, look, I mean, the the, the media, and I think that they had a job to do, and that's ask tough questions. And one Fox Five reporter who is particularly aggressive and, and and I think in a good way and I can appreciate her style of journalism. You know, I don't support the Jesse Waters, Bill O'Reilly style of of hatchet journalism where you show up at someone's door and wait for them to exit and then you bombard them with questions and, you know, they look disheveled. That that's wrong. It's ridiculous. And it's it's a poor journalistic practice. However, when Superintendent Jack Smith was in the parking lot um, he he was asked some some questions, and then I think what parents are wondering is why did the school system wait so long, and, and it was a long time, to hold a press conference to discuss this issue, and I think yeah. that's a fair criticism, uh, Councilman. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fair criticism. I mean, I, I sent an email to the school system. Uh, the, 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 the event happened Thursday. Uh, we learned about it Friday. I wrote to the school system on Saturday saying, will there be some sort of a statement, and are you going to uh, communicate with the public about lessons learned? So um, so I, I asked the school system, what's what's happening? What have you learned? Um, two days in. Uh, so it would have been good if the school system had been prepared to answer questions prior to the time that it was, and this was a lesson in crisis management, and I, I don't know that any of our institutions – um, came through it with flying colors. Uh, there's when when something goes terribly wrong. There's always lessons to be learned. I agree, and I know that. Look, the soup. There are people now calling on Superintendent Jack Smith to resign. In fact, one Montgomery County councilman, uh, or, <laughs> councilman, not a count. Oh, someone that's running for the county council. His name is Dr. Tom Froman. He has been very public about. Um, his calls on the superintendent to resign in the wake of this uh, this incident over his handling of, um, I, I guess, the communication side. Um, I, I wouldn't go that far. I think that that's um, a bit too much, if if you ask me. Uh, others have – there's been some websites out there now that are calling on him. Social media has been rough on the superintendent, and I think it's fair to criticism the lack of time or the time that it took to make the press conference. However – put his full role into context that overall I believe that Dr. Smith has been a fairly decent superintendent for the short amount of time that our county has had him. 
Well, I like Dr. Smith. I, I, I do agree that, and he has said that it would have been better to be more forthcoming with the public sooner. Sure. Uh, so he, he's conceded that. And uh, this was a lesson in crisis management. Um, and I hope the school system and all of us learn from it, I think. Uh, but I'm certainly not calling on Dr. Smith to resign. I mean, you know, look, whatever you do in public life, somebody's going to criticize you. And um, the school board had lost confidence in the previous superintendent. And then we had an acting superintendent for about a year. And there was a lot of anxiety and concern about are we going to settle down and have stability and have consistency. And they hired Dr. Smith, whose experience is very relevant and really extraordinarily positive. And, you know, let's give him a chance. This was a crisis, and I won't say that it was perfectly handled, but I, I don't blame Dr. Smith for the um, hysteria that was being whipped up. Um, he, I don't know that, you know, you can't hold him responsible for that. So I agree. And there was hysteria. And one of the hysterical articles was written by a an ultra right wing publication called townhall.com a young rep- I, I I wouldn't necessarily call her a reporter because she's really an editorialist that um has an opinion and is using opinion as fact and that's ridiculous but they're saying that um the headline is in wake of rockville rape school superintendent accuses parents of racism and they quoted his statement and um I I think that that's a very unfair accusation against the superintendent um, because he even part of the statement says while many have chosen to engage civilly in the conversation far too many have crossed the line with racist xenophobic calls and emails mcps is working with law enforcement to identify those who are making threats toward our students and schools this behavior will not be tolerated in our community Um, councilman i think that I, I, you know, and then this author goes on to write nowhere in the email was it mentioned the suspects are in the country illegally with at least one facing deportation. Uh, that may be true. However, to accuse the superintendent of 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 in, calling parents racist, that's not what he said. In fact, he said that they have received um, many emails that were racist in nature, and that's absolutely that's true. And, I've received. Yeah, I mean, that's, I can tell you. There's no question. We, we've received racist and xenophobic emails. That's a fact. The school system has. The county executive has. The county council has. That's. That doesn't mean that everyone is a racist. It doesn't mean that everyone who is unhappy about this terrible crime is a racist. But there's no doubt that we've been contacted by racists and xenophobes, and there's no doubt that the school has received violent threats, and that's unacceptable. So that doesn't mean that everyone who's upset is violent, and it certainly doesn't mean that everyone. Uh, who you know that 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 one person who calls the school threatening to come to the school with a gun is representative of everyone no i mean and and that you know that just speaks to the risk of generalizing and stereotyping you know we that we when we go down that road emotion takes the place of reason and we can't make wise decisions um i want to talk about the the 500 pound elephant in the room and that's rape and i i want to talk what can we do to prevent another rape from occurring within our public schools? I mean, could this incident have been prevented? Is there enough security measures in place in our public schools to prevent a, a rape from occurring? Uh, you there, Ryan? Yeah, I'm here. I'm, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm here I, I, I had another call coming in. Um, okay. Yeah, well, th- look, I, I know that the system – well, number one, first of all, the crime is still under investigation, and um, if – if every detail of the investigation is made available 
it can prejudice the case. And if the suspects are found guilty, uh, the ability to prosecute them could be harmed. So when you're in the midst of a police investigation, even though the public is eager to know every detail, what happened, how could it have happened, when did it happen, precisely every detail, um, it just isn't possible for the police to make every detail available without prejudicing the case. We find out more over the course of time. We're not, uh, the county council will be asking questions. The school board will be asking questions. They, uh, I think it would be wise to bring in some outside security experts to assess security procedures. Um, of course, we don't want anything like this ever to happen again. Uh, there right. will be crimes on school property again in the future. Um, there is a police presence in the schools. Whether that needs to be beefed up, whether there needs to be um, different security procedures is a, is a question that the school system will ask and the county council will ask as well. Well, and that's why we want to use this show as a productive way to to learn more information, one, and that's why I wanted you to come on because I think you're a stand-up guy and you're always truthful with me. And even though that we have some policy disagreements, um, you always tell me the straight story. But two, I want to use this as a vehicle for real change in our community. And I live here. I work here. I love my community. I love my neighbors for the most part. Um, and I I think that this is a great place to live and to raise a family, and that's the point of this discussion, is what can we do as parents? What can we do as citizens and political activists to prevent this from occurring again? How do we work with you? Right. So I, I think a first thing is not to jump to conclusions and not to stigmatize any demographic group uh, because um, – a, a violent criminal, two violent criminals come from that demographic group. Um, there are violent criminals in every demographic group, and we, we cannot generalize or stereotype or stigmatize any group of people because of these rapists. And, and um, I, I'm glad to hear you, you know, express your love for this county. One of the greatest things about this county is that we have people in it from many, many different backgrounds, and we're all in it together, and we all get along well, and we've got a thriving and successful and dynamic economy and, and a rich cultural life and an excellent school system. And so the first thing is to, um, you know, take a deep breath and, and use reason and not emotion because um, stigmatizing all Latinos uh, is, is not the road we want to go down. We have a large Latino population. In fact, it's the largest demographic group in our schools, and they're entitled to an education, and um, overwhelmingly the majority of them are uh, either U.S. citizens or legally present in this country, and so we just must not stigmatize or stereotype uh, people whose, um, you know, family origin is in Latin America. That's that's not something we can we can have if we're going to continue living together and getting along well. No, and it's in this is I'm I'm an implant to this community, and I I've really grown to appreciate it here. I I enjoy living here. We raise our family here. And I've, uh, you know, I've made some wonderful memories in this community and I'm not leaving anytime soon. And this is, this is my home. And that's why as, as a community and, and George, you've always been very accessible and hands-on. Um, and anytime that a constituent had a concern, you pick up the phone and you talk to them or you meet with them in person or encourage them to reach out, um, to find solutions to these issues. And, Look, I, I hope that the discussions that are happening throughout this community are about 
finding productive ways to work with our school system, to work with elected officials, to work with our police um, as a community to, to stop these incidents from occurring. And if we take a hard look at this incident, we want to – I think parents and citizens are asking what could we have done to prevent it – what, what could we have done to ensure that this didn't happen? And, you know, I, 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 maybe someone smarter than I am, but I can't figure it out. I mean, George, can you figure it out? I can't figure it out. Uh, you know, some small percentage of the population uh, is going to engage in aberrant and deviant and criminal behavior. Um, So we are a safe community. We have a very low rate of crime. But this tragic rape happened. We're not trying to minimize it. And it's very, very important to understand what happened. Um, They are deep in the midst of a criminal investigation, so there's sensitive information. But um, the school system absolutely needs to and is taking this very seriously and is going to assess its security procedures. Um, And as I've said, uh, I hope we'll bring in outside experts to assess its security procedures. And uh, none of us ever wants to see anything like this happen again. No, we don't. We don't want to see anything like this uh, ever happen again. Um, you know, Councilman, with the, a few more moments we have here with, with one another, um, this moment, this incident occurred at a time when Marilyn is discussing, um, and I, I'm using air quotes, sanctuary, sanctuary states. Um, wh- what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think what – The real intent of the Maryland Trust Act is to prevent jurisdictions from engaging in the kind of behavior that Maricopa County, Arizona did that we talked about before. So the role of local government is to provide local services. The role of local police departments is to work with communities and keep them safe. If any member of a community is afraid to report information to the police because um, they're afraid that it'll be – that their information will be turned over to immigration – then police won't get good information. Domestic violence victims may not come forward. Victims of other crimes may not come forward. And criminals may not get caught because the police won't have access to the best information. So Montgomery County's policy is, is, is very, very common. Montgomery County deals with these issues like most major, uh, you know, large jurisdictions. So um, we're, we're not unusual. We're not an outlier. A local government performs local government functions, and immigration is a federal function. It's not a local government function. So yeah. for those who are unhappy that the alleged uh, rapist, the suspect, um, had already interacted with immigration and, and yet hadn't been deported, well, then people's frustration on that specific matter probably ought to be directed at the immigration service, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. That, that's not something the school system is equipped to do anything about. It's not really something county police are equipped to do anything about. And as the county police have, have said, these individuals had no criminal record. There was nothing that, you know, had they been checked out that would have shown up. Right. Do you, Councilman, do you think that with the recent election of President Trump, do you think that um, some of his remarks and policy positions and um, some of his more terrorist statements have inspired and increased or an exacerbated, um, I guess, heightened level of noxious comments that you've received? Absolutely, I do. I mean, as I say, I've been doing this for 15 years, and the the name-calling, the... uh, 
anti-immigrant rhetoric, um, you know, regardless of immigration status, the, the rhetoric I'm seeing is is uh, heightened much more so than uh, than I've ever seen before. Um, and I think that, you know, look, I'm no fan of President Trump. That's not a secret. He, he I think, um, is dividing people rather than bringing them together. And I think he scapegoats uh, minority groups, uh, Latinos and Muslims in particular. Um, and and I, I know many, many people in those communities who feel, who are legally present in the country, who've never broken a law, who you know, earn a good living, who pay a lot of taxes, who make a, a strong contribution to this community, who feel that they are unfairly targeted. They're afraid to travel. They don't know if they'll be able to re-enter the country. They don't know if they'll be harassed. They don't know if they'll be, um, you know, pulled over. The, and, and, and that's just not fair. I mean, you know, here was the story recently of Muhammad Ali Jr., who was detained for a long period of time when he went on vacation in the Caribbean and was not allowed to re-enter the country. A U.S. citizen born here, um, you know, his... his <laughs> Father was the heavyweight champion of the world, one of the most famous names in the world, but it's Muhammad right. Ali, and he was unfairly targeted for detention and discriminatory treatment. So, you know, we don't want to go down that road, and there is no no, no reason why law-abiding, tax-paying, hard-working people of Latino descent or of Muslim descent should feel the stress and strain that they are feeling now uh, with the rhetoric of this president. This president has has gone out of his way to demonize and scapegoat. Um, he's setting up an office within the Department of Homeland Security to highlight incidents of crime by illegal immigrants, even though undocumented immigrants, even though um, the incidence of crime among immigrants generally and among unauthorized immigrants specifically is substantially lower than in the general population. And there's study after study that shows that. So there, you know, so the only purpose in highlighting, you know, bringing national attention to a crime like this horror that occurred uh, the week before last um, is is to divide people and to scapegoat and to demonize and stigmatize uh, one demographic group in our community. And that's we can't work together that way. We can't progress as a community. We can't, you know, continue to thrive and learn from each other and support each other and work together. So, so I hope that cooler heads will prevail. And um, you know, frankly, I hope that this whole divisive approach from the Trump administration will be rejected. Yeah. It's you know, there have been times in American history where uh, groups were pitted against each other and civil liberties were violated and, uh, you know, horrible, shameful episodes in our history occurred. And I'm afraid we're entering into one of those again now. I, I hope that cooler heads will prevail. Well, you're one of the cooler heads. And while we disagree on some issues, you're a stand-up guy, uh, Councilman Leventhal. You've always availed yourself to this show and to private conversations that we've had, and I always appreciate it. So I just want to thank you for coming on to talking about um, a very sensitive issue and to add, add some clarity uh, to a tough week. And um, I'm hoping that as we move forward, we can have a dialogue like you and I are having, and uh, we can add to the conversation and to grow our community um, and to listen to one another and make sure that we use all of our facts at our disposal. Thank you very much, Ryan. I appreciate the time uh, to talk. All right. Thank you, Councilman. You have a great week. Bye-bye. Have a great Okay, so that was Councilman George Levenfall of the Montgomery County Council. Great discussion. We appreciate his time. Uh, we're going to move on to another important issue. It's a little bit different. It's if you go up west where I'm originally from in Washington County, um, actually born and raised in the city of Hagerstown, that Councilman Lou Metzner, who's now with us, knows well. Councilman, hey, welcome. Oh, hi, thank you, Ryan. It's good to be here. Um, 
related to have the problems we're having up here uh, <laughs> versus the problems you were just discussing. Well, no, I, I know, Councilman, and you and I have actually exchanged some um, dialogue about the issue um, that we discussed earlier in the show that Councilman Leventhal was discussing. Um, and, yeah, yeah I, I, it's, it's a tragic issue, and, uh, you know, a rape, any rape is a, a terrible, terrible thing. Um, and, you know, I think that when we add rhetoric and um, pol- politics into it, it gets even worse. So I know you always think with a clear head on these issues. I appreciate it. I agree with you, Ryan. So let's t- <laughs> let's talk about the the pod, the pod on the pod. So Hagerstown, um, it ha- has something called a cultural trail, and we I haven't quite ventured on the cultural tra- trail because I don't think it's complete yet. Um, but first, let's talk about what this is and what it means for the city of Hagerstown, Councilman. Absolutely, Ryan. Well, first of all, the, the physical aspects of the trail are pretty much complete. However, that's the trail part of the cultural trail. Uh, this trail is about a, a million and a half dollars in its first phase, uh, approximately in that figure. And the important part of that is approximately 400000 of that is public art. And that's what makes the trail a cultural trail. This is part of a, a huge downtown redevelopment uh, that was going to coincide with hopefully a, uh, a $35 million redevelopment of downtown relating to uh, education and the arts also. Uh, and it was recommended by consultants as one of eight, um, eight recommendations to make to get Hagerstown where we needed to be. And the idea of this trail is to connect the, the Hagerstown City Park with their downtown uh, arts and entertainment education center. And in the meantime, uh, studies have shown that people would actually like to, to move downtown if they had the right atmosphere. We've already had one major business uh, move alongside the trail solely because it's there right now. Well, um, so recently during the last meeting, there's been a discussion about the pod what is this infamous discussion about the pod what is the pod per se well the pod is a sculpture um and some people want to call it a a pile of rocks and uh i guess to some i guess to some degree you know all sculpture that's made from marble or granite and this one's made from granite it comes from a pile of rocks uh and this is a uh sculpture made by a uh an internationally famous uh, sculpture by the name of Richard Deutsch. Uh, Richard Deutsch has uh, his sculptures and, and permanent collection at the uh, Smithsonian Museum, the San Francisco de Young Museum, uh, and has his, his art in many places throughout the uh, nation. It was commissioned originally for a high-end shopping mall in Chevy Chase, Maryland, uh, sitting very close to a Tiffany's. Uh, it and another major uh, work by the same artist were commissioned. He was paid a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, he went over to Italy where he picked uh, a, a specific granite that is known as the whitest granite on earth. Uh, we have pictures of the quarry he came from. Uh, he handpicked it, 
he uh, sculpted it in the same studio that Michelangelo uh, sculpted it and had it brought over and placed here. As things go, the Chevy Chase Land Company, who owns it, uh, Tiffany's and that type of thing apparently is getting very downsized. And these two sculptures, the other one, a very large sculpture that's going to a museum, uh, have been one, the pod has been offered to us uh, for a portion of the cost of relocating it to Hagerstown. So mm-hmm. that is what the pod is. How much, uh, there's been. There's been a conversation, and you talked about this during your Tuesday evening council meeting, about how much the city of Hagerstown is paying for this pod to be transferred from where it is now to to the city. So what are – can you break down the costs of what what – how much has been raised by the private sector – and how much of that will ultimately be put onto the taxpayer to cover it? Well, ultimately, my best recollection is what has not been covered by uh, donations or others is $38,000. $15,000 we have in our budget. uh, The trail itself, the the physical trail, came in $15,000 under budget. So we have $15,000 to put towards that. Uh, we received uh, a 10000 basic donation from Rigging and Digging, which would be the crane operator to move it. We ran a $2,500 donation from the Washington County Museum, and we're attempting to raise the other $13,000, but we will find it somewhere. We will either raise it if need be. I'm assuming if need be, we will eventually get taxpayers' money, but I will raise the other $13,000 to bring it here. 10000 of honorarium that goes to the the artist the um the Trevor Chase management company is actually uh contributing six thousand uh, dollars towards the the honorarium uh to the artist so six thousand coming from there also so, uh, and by the way this is this is this is based upon a uh a million four hundred thousand dollar approximate uh trail that we're doing the same night that we uh we discussed this. Uh, and this has created a huge amount of attention. This uh, this fifteen right. to, to twenty eight thousand dollar expenditure. The same night that we discussed it, we discussed a ten million dollar infrastructure improvement in Hagerstown, which has barely even created a a trickle of a comment. <laughs> well, I understand that, but I think people in the community, and I and and you'll have to forgive me, but I'm I'm one of them. And and I want to you know we you and I never have an issue with having a respectful dialogue and we can respectfully disagree on what the city council allocates to spend taxpayer money on but I think people in the city of Eggerstown have some serious qualms with the council allocating money to spend on transporting this quote unquote piece of art and some people don't see it as art. Others do, um, you know. I knowing the background. So, right. Um, in, all, in all due respect, I think everybody sees it as a piece of art. I, I think well, that people want to. Everybody wants to be an art critic. It's going to be very difficult for anybody to say that modern sculpture is not a piece of art. It's done by a world-renowned sculptor who was paid a quarter of a million dollars to do it. Now, you can tell me that you think it looks like a pile of rocks. 
You can tell me that it doesn't fit into what you think art is all about. I am no art critic, okay? <laughs> so I'm not about to tell you that I think it's some great sculpture. I went down to see it. I was the only elected official who took the time to drive down there and actually put my eyes on it. Am I telling you that we would have paid a quarter of a million dollars for it? I'm not an art critic, but to say it's not art just isn't fair. It is art. You can say you don't like it, that piece of art. But you know what paintings are? They're a piece of canvas with a bunch of paint on them, okay? And you and I have both seen paintings that go for millions of dollars and go, oh, my God, the Mona Lisa is known as the greatest painting ever made. I, I don't think it is but a lot of other people do. Now, the other thing I'd like to comment on real quickly is we're not being criticized for buying $400,000 worth of art. We're being no. criticized for accepting a gift. Now, somebody may say, yeah, well, it's appraised at 300000 That's a joke. It was purchased for a quarter of a million. Would it ever be sold for that? No. I'm assuming the Chevy Chase Lane Company will get a great tax write-off for this. That's my mm-hmm. assumption. But this is a piece of art. It was sculpted from a block of granite. And to look at it and realize that someone hand-sculpted this thing makes you realize it really is not just a bunch of rocks. It mm-hmm. is a piece of art. And, yes, I, listen, if, if I expect that people are going to criticize this, wait till they see our mural giant proportions. This is going to be psychedelic in nature, eight stories high in downtown Hagerstown. But, I can't but Councilman, that. We I were criticized because it was obscene to have bare breasts on the fountain at Park Circle. <laughs> I remember that discussion. I remember that discussion <laughs> Okay, quite well. this is a very similar discussion. Yeah, well, this yeah, is, I this mean. This is public art. We, we already had the discussion about whether we were going to spend almost a half a million dollars on purchasing public art. Right. Okay, and, and we just had the announcement the same night of the of some internationally famous artists that we have contracted, including some local uh, sculptors in, in Iamsville. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also, it should be well understood that intelligent politicians left the art decisions to a council of art people, like the museum people, the Washington County Council of Artists. So we are not the ones that select the art here. I want to make that abundantly clear. The, 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 the vote... On Tuesday was four to one, and one of your new colleagues, uh, Councilman Quarterman, um, who was elected um, during the last election, um, he wrote on Facebook and he said, "This isn't about risk or wanting what's best for our community. We currently have approximately two to three million invested in the Trail and City Park. The overwhelming majority of our citizens did not support this sculpture. These are the same citizens we made a pledge to represent their views." The, presenta- the presentation should have been made to the Washington County Museum Board of Directors and a fundraising event by the in the fundraising event by the museum would have have handled this, not the taxpayers of our city. What's your response to that? Well, I've been a city councilman here for 22 years. I'm interested interested to councilman Quarterman uh, seems to have the pulse in the community that the majority of the uh, citizens don't support this. Uh, I don't know if he picks that up through social media uh, because that's not my take on things. And let me tell you, if I let social media run the city, we would be in real trouble. So I I would, with all due respect, disagree with the councilman as four four other council members did 
and an entire administration did uh, almost unanimously. It was four to one on the cultural trail. But that's the important thing. The decision on that trail has been made, and that was made with a majority of support of the citizens of this community. The vast majority was done in a very open and transparent manner. We had a number of meetings with hundreds of people, walked the trail before we ever did it. Uh, we took huge public feedback to it. And that, that decision, you know, that, that, that's already gone. That decision was made long ago. This piece of art is just one piece of it. And, yeah, it wasn't expected. It's a gift, and it's one that I'm happy to accept. And I understand, um, as with most things in politics, it's these $15,000 items we discuss. It's, it's not the big ones. And that $10 million thing I was talking about, there is a decision to be made whether we spend $5 million or whether we spend $10 million. So there are decisions of big money. This is a very insubstantial amount of money, uh, and I disagree that the majority of citizens oppose this. Well, and and how would you calculate that? Because I've – and I know that it's difficult to gauge what you read on social media. Many citizens – I mean, listen, I'm a critic, and that's and, – and let's put this into total perspective here. I live outside of the city of Hagerstown, and I'm – yeah, I'm a critic, and I – I, you know, it's you could you could make a fair argument to say no. You know, Ryan Miner is um, in his ivory tower talking about um, this position from the luxury of his Montgomery County home, but it's not it's not Ryan who's going to be paying for this. It's Hagers, the city of Hagerstown taxpayers. But you can but you can understand that if if you take a line item and you say okay, we're going to spend you know this is the cost to transport. This piece of art from um, you know from one place to to Hagerstown, and it's going to cost thirteen thousand dollars. You can understand how citizens of within the city of Hagerstown would say, "We don't want to spend this amount of money on this piece of art when we are in a certain, I, I would argue, a precarious financial situation." You can understand that, Councilman, right? Well, we're in a horrible financial situation right now, and listen, I understand. Uh, forget this particular issue. Um, when it gets down to local politics, where, where the rubber meets the road is always the budget. There, that is it. There is really nothing else. It's how much money you're going to spend on anything. And, and the big question here in my mind is not the question of whether we spend $15,000 to bring this piece of art here. It's the question, the bigger question is, does government have any place in public art? arts and and in the arts do we have any place for it we we historically give about thirty thousand dollars if i'm correct uh to the museum of fine arts in hagerstown under an agreement that was made when the singer the singers brought the museum here you know is do we have a place for that do we have a place for a golf course which we subsidize <laughs> by six figures in hagerstown i mean these are these are valid questions Mm-hmm. And, and so to me, the question isn't whether we spend the money to bring this particular piece of art here. It's whether public art, public money has any place in the arts and entertainment system at all. I believe it does. I'm a strong believer that it does. And I also believe that this cultural trail is in reality an investment, not an expenditure. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I firmly believe that that's one of the reasons I ran this last time 
for this election is to see this and this $37 million project downtown through. Uh, that, that's my objective here, and I think it's going to be a large success. And if we don't do something in Hagerstown, well, I'll tell you what, nothing is going to change. And if nothing changes in Hagerstown, things are not going to be good. Well, I think the the, the switch up of the council uh, this time was was it, yeah, a good thing. Um, yeah, you have Councilman Keller and, and Councilman Quarterman. The the election of those two individuals um, is a, a a very dynamic change, and I think a much needed change. Um, so, well, listen, yeah, but, I completely agree with you on that. I completely oh, yeah. agree with you. I think that the new blood is very important, and I think Paul and Emily bring a a, a great deal here, but but let's not forget um, that three of the incumbents got reelected. So it wasn't that people were rejecting what had been done in the past, and one incumbent did not run. Obviously, right. uh, for for those out of town listening, uh, I uh, I now have a new uh, nickname of Landslide Lou, having won my last election here by a grand total of seven votes. Uh, but but the person I beat was also an incumbent, so yeah, uh, I think that's important to note. Yeah, and I'm I'm happy that you know, uh, God bless Penny Nye, but uh, you know, if it were between you and Penny, I would have much rather to see you on on the uh, the council. Um, so, but let me ask you this: you you probably have seen some of the social media commentary and especially on our good friend Chris Abbott's uh, page. And yes, Chris enjoys um, talking about local issues, but I mean, Councilman Letzner, have you, I've seen nothing but negative reactions to this. Where's, where are the positive responses? I mean, I, are they folks showing up to council meetings? Are they, I, I saw. Okay, I, I saw well, one well, person. A couple of answers. A couple of answers. One, have you? Did you see Chris Sabbath's post this evening? I I did. I, I bet, did see. I his bet post. you the nice post. He it the post in which the Chris Sabbath says he's going to play devil's advocate <laughs> and highly he compliments me and says he's changed his mind on this issue. Yeah. Have you seen I, that I, one? Well, I did see. No, that. No, seriously, and have you? I did. I'm looking at it talk. now. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I I made a very nice comment to Chris, because quite candidly, uh, I was going to put a comment there that says, Chris, for the first time in my political career, I think I'm speechless. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't say that, however, but I was close to being speechless after seeing that, that last comment by Chris. But having said that to you, Ryan, listen, uh, I know there's at least one council member on the city council that has never even seen Facebook. Um and Facebook is it Don Munson? A, well, I you know I would assume so. Uh, but but listen, I, I would if you let if you let social media control you when you say there's nothing you've read other than negative comments on social media. Tell me how many of those people have made those comments. What well, let's say maybe there's forty. Yeah. Maybe there's fifty. You know, there's like. 33,000 people in the city of Hagerstown. I know. And out of those out of those 50, how many of them are residents, voting residents of the city of Hagerstown? And how many of them are friggin' idiots? <laughs> uh, and, you know, you've read a couple. Oh, listen, I'll tell you, and I've, I've told them. You know, if somebody wants to have reasonable discourse with me, that's one thing. 
But when somebody decides that out of this pile of rocks comes that mm-hmm. I'm willing to take, I'm making my brother's business wealthy because he owns a scrap business and we have a trash pickups twice a week in downtown, um, those types of things, and then I'm taking bribes, those people are idiots, okay? And, and, and that's a certain percentage of these people on Facebook. So social media does not does not interest me in the least as far as making me decide from idiot statements. Now, people want to have good, reasonable discourse. That's a different story. And when I look, when I look at what I when I filter out the people who don't live here and the idiots, no, I don't. I don't see overwhelming uh, people who say this is a horrible idea. Because I discount the idiots, and there are plenty of idiots out there. And by the way, I don't consider Chris one of them. That's not who I'm talking about. I've never had. Uh, I'm talking about the people who decide to tell me I'm taking bribes and, and these kinds of things that come up regularly and routinely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it too. And, and, and so when, who, who did the support come? Yes, I've got email support uh, uh, from everybody who has any association with the arts whatsoever. Anybody who seems to have any association with economic development whatsoever, we've gotten strong support from all of those people. Okay, mm-hmm. that's my answer to you. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. So when you say, and, and and that's what I'm afraid Paul's doing. I'm afraid, you know, and that's that's one of the problems. It's one of the things we have to learn from us old farts. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, I'll be 65 this year. Versus. Uh, Paul, who I have a great deal of respect, played lacrosse with my son. You know, so a whole different generation. Um, uh, Emily Keller is, uh, is the daughter of a classmate of mine. Uh, Dave Geisbert, her ex-mayor, is the son of a classmate of mine. So I'm a firm believer that, that the next generation, is, is it's time for them. But I also got to warn this next generation, do not let social media decisions for you. That is a horrible way to go. It is a horrible mm-hmm. way to go. No, I understand. Um, and, and I agree with you. I, I think that if you gauge social media and take a poll, it's not going to be completely accurate or empirical, and it's gonna, the, the results will be skewed. Um, Councilman, I, I think I, – I'm not sure if people want to call in and talk to you. I know you've got to go to bed soon, but uh, um, no, okay. our I'm number – yeah, sure. And but the number to call in is is 646-716-5971. If you have a comment or you have a question for Councilman Lou Metzner, uh he's on the line and we're having a a a very above board and uh congenial conversation about uh the city of Hagerstown, uh the pod sculpture. Um so and and by the way, why why I have this time? Anybody yeah. who's listening, please we our meetings were as transparent as can be. They're broadcast live, but just as importantly, they're rebroadcast on YouTube. If you please go to YouTube and search Hagerstown City Council, go to our last city council meeting, which I think was the 23rd. Go to about the 57-minute uh, point of that meeting on YouTube, and you will see about a 10-minute presentation on the cultural trail not only at the very end is the pod where you will see where this uh, granite was mined from and all of that, but before that you will see the announcements of the of the new sculptures 
uh, artists who have just were just announced and what they're going to be doing and get a feel for what this trail is going to be and what it will look like. And at the, at the same time we're doing this, you know, again, a, a controversial, but not nearly as controversial, the, the million dollars we're spending uh, to dredge our city park lake. And I think those who have ever been to Hagerstown will acknowledge that the, those who declared it to be one of the, the, the finest uh, municipal city parks of its size in the nation are correct. Uh, do you think that the new pod sculpture, when what, well, first of all, when, what's the estimate estimation of time? When do you expect it to arrive? I have no idea, but I would hope soon. I re- I really don't know though, because I don't know what the schedule is from Chevy Chase. My uh, my thought process is they would like to move these soon, but I'm not sure. And do you do you know the company who is going to move it? What's um, and you know, no, I do not. I, I know nothing about that because what happened is is they came to us and said they want to give us this, and our staff told us these were the estimates of cost uh, that they had. And I don't have that information. And by the way, this sculpture is right off Wisconsin Avenue. I forget what the address is, but it's right in Chevy Chase off Wisconsin Avenue. The other sculpture, which is a much larger uh, multi-piece, is I tell you what, I'd love to have that one in Hagerstown, and I don't think we'd be having the same criticism of, of that particular piece. Uh, and there's also two, um, uh, may sound rather uh, cute, but two very nice uh, artistic fence pieces that are coming with this, which are also uh, we're going to have, for instance, we just announced, if you if you look at the trail, we're going to have one uh, artsy-type fence that's going to be over the length of a football field. Uh, it's going to be a very fascinating trail. Um, well, I, I think so. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what's in store for, for Hagerstown in in the coming years. And I can tell you, I always go to the, the, the annual Western Maryland blues festival. It's the best, in my opinion, the best event in Hagerstown every year. You have some of the finest musicians, um, from the tri-state area and, you know, and, way outside of the area they come into the city of Hagerstown and spend a weekend and frequent the shops and it is I'm telling you the best three days four days in the city of Hagerstown each year in the spring I love it and the uh, the film festival is coming up my friend Tracy Hobie um, I believe is in charge of, of putting that event on um, Augustoberfest is another terrific event and Lou, I'm hoping that this cultural trail sincerely adds to the value of inside the city of Hagerstown. And, 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 it's, and I think you can make a case to say that it's controversial in that people are not willing to spend money on that, that they don't believe that their taxpayer dollars should go to that. And I know that Mayor Brucci, I believe that he's looking to, to, to cut some cost um, in this upcoming um, – you know, he's, he's, he's putting forth a plan – to cut, was it like 17% of, of cost in city government? And that's, that's, that's quite a chunk. Um, but the city's in a tough financial position, and I think people are concerned about how their council is spending money, and that what, that's what brings this discussion out on the pod. Um, so, you know, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you, Ryan, and, and I think what happens with this kind of stuff 
is, you know, all the things that you just mentioned, uh, the Blues Fest, Augustoberfest, uh, the Film Festival, uh, they all have one thing in common, don't they? The Downtown. And, and the arts. Downtown yeah. and the arts. And, yeah. uh, you know, we have people who think the blues is not the right kind of music to have downtown. But, mm. but the, seriously, all the things you mentioned have everybody in this town loves. And they were controversial when they first began. I was on this council when the very first Blues Fest was had in downtown Hagerstown and how dare we close down the square and the streets in Hagerstown for a bunch of people to come drink beer. And mm. and I predict that when we're done, this isn't going to be Metzner's Folly, this cultural trail. It's going to be an attraction that brings people to this town. It is going to be bringing businesses to the trail, and it is going to be bringing people who who see South Prospect Street, and you're familiar with South Prospect Street. Oh, sure. People who have seen that say, we want to live in a place like that, in a location like that, and that's what this trail is going to give. This trail is going through some of the most depressed industrial-type areas in Hagerstown and is going to totally revitalize them. This trail, from the beginning to the end of it, is going to be art. You're not going to walk without seeing art, and it's going to be something that attracts people and it is going to be a boon to this town. And you were right about Mayor Brucci, and he is right. We're going to have to cut. But one thing I'll give Bob credit for, he was opposed to this trail. He campaigned against it. But he acknowledges what we all acknowledge. It has been funded. It has been decided. It is here. And what we have to do is we have to do it right, or it will have been a waste of taxpayers' money. If we mm-hmm. don't do it right, it's going to be worthless, and, and, and Mayor Brucci is committed to doing it right. So nobody's talking about cutting funds from this trail because that would be a boondoggle. Lou, let me ask you, and this might be an, an entirely goofy question, and please tell me if it is. But, I mean, couldn't a couple of guys with a big old truck go down in Chevy Chase and, and pick this thing up? I mean, maybe that's a really silly question, but <laughs> I think I, – I, I think they said 60 tons. I think, and it, I might be wrong, it's either 6 mm. or 60, but I think it's it's closer to 60 tons. We need uh, need a, a major um, uh, major crane to be able to lift it. Uh, mm. And there has been discussion that we uh, may very well be getting the donation of a truck to do this. Like I mean, we're out looking for donations from everybody, and and word I had, I don't want to announce it because I don't know if we're actually getting it, but I know people have talked about donating the vehicle to do it. So, and that's that was what I was going to bring up, and and I'm, I hate to, to, to who who am I to to ask someone else to make a donation that they may or may not agree with, but um, I know that someone like Don Bowman, who does so much for downtown Hagerstown in our community. I mean, he runs an entire trucking fleet that is world famous. Uh, well, I mean, you, you, would, you, you, can, you can be assured, Ryan, that, that our staff is out beating the bushes to seek contributions to do this, and that includes yeah. in-kind contributions. Uh, I can assure yeah. you of that. There, there is no question those, those requests are being made. If I had a truck this that was you know the right size and that we could save the taxpayers 
the money of transporting this. I would go down and pick it up myself and drop it off on the cultural trail. And But I, I think that most people are not necessarily concerned uh, or to, to argue over the intrinsic value of the art. And yes, you said it, it is art. Some people can have a reasonable disagreement on that. But I think people are saying that they do not want to spend the amount of money that it's going to cost to transport it, and it's just the logistics of getting it there that the city may need taxpayers to pay for. Um, And as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, I'm impressed by the sheer amount of private donations you've received for this. um, And and matter of fact, as you're speaking, I I did not include the donation. One of the expenses of of this is, you know, you just can't take a piece of work like this and stick it in the grass. It's mm-hmm. got to be appropriately landscaped, and that requires professionals to be able to do this. That is our, that is being donated to the city by a, a local company that does that for a living. So that's a that's another in kind contribution we've gotten. Okay, so mm-hmm. and, and the only reason we're getting these in kind contributions is because we're out seeking them. So, and that, again, is what the public needs to know. The, the, the money that we have spoken about that we're actually spending to date, for sure, is $15,000 of money that has already been budgeted for this very use, okay? That, is there a $13,000 gap there that we have not identified by way of private donations? Yes, there is. But outside of that, that $15,000, when you say people don't want us to spend the money for it, you know, that's in this year's budget. We had a budget hearing last year. Uh, We had issues about whether we do the cultural trail last year. Those decisions were already made. So Mm -hmm. the only money that really is being discussed that hasn't been discussed and budgeted would be the 13000 that we have not yet been able to get the contributions for that we're still hopeful to do. And this is a $100 million budget. Lou, have we thought about – and this might seem like a trite idea, but have we thought about maybe establishing a GoFundMe page where people can donate uh, within the community or, or, or some kind where if they, you know, they're really interested in, in, in helping to offset the cost that the taxpayers may pay? Because look, I, as, a, as a free market capitalist um, libertarian, I believe that the private sector can invariably do things better than the government can, and if people are willing to spend their own money on a project, then they're going to then the private sector will, you know, uh, invariably be able to well, cover that cost. I don't, I don't know if anybody's done a GoFundMe page, but again, I think you'll find that uh, that we are having a fair amount of private contributions and, and are going to get some more. That's that's what I'm hopeful of, and and mm-hmm. I think as I say, the fifteen thousand dollars, that's what that money is there for. That money is specifically mm-hmm. there for this this project, and so for that. Uh, that that's that. So it's just a matter of trying to get this other thirteen grand, and I'm hoping mm-hmm. that we can do that. And and I'm hoping that listen, you know, I, I've been shocked when you talk about social media. I, I think you know we have a bear, uh, a bear sculpture uh, in our park. I, I cannot believe that there have been some people that have actually complained about that. That how dare us have put something like that in city park. Which um, which is always interesting. So there's always going to be people that disagree, and I you may notice I didn't use the word complain. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was listening to Judge Gorsuch uh, on his hearings before the Senate, 
he mentioned as a judge he's got the only profession that 100% of the time, half the people are going to hate his decision. And, and he's pretty much right as a judge. And as a politician, mm-hmm. I guarantee you that if it won't be half of the people that don't like what, what I think we should do or what we're doing, it will be a certain percentage of people that don't. And the other thing I'll say to you from 20-some years of politics, Ryan, is that when people don't have a problem with that, you don't hear from them. Mm-hmm. And when people don't like something, that's when you hear from them. And social media has allowed that group of people to have their voice heard. And and you may notice that social media is a very negative media. Um <laughs> Because that's, that's where a lot of this discussion that you and I are having right now comes from. And when I say it's a very negative media, in respect to, to, to kitty cats and dogs and keeping in touch with, with my class of 1970, it's a very positive thing. But when it becomes the politics, whether it's on the national level right down to the local level, it's a very negative thing. It's the one place where people have the opportunity to feel like they can call you anything that they want to and not have to bear any responsibility for it. And, and, and that's what drives a lot of these things along. And, and that's modern-day culture. And that's the things that, that you, the Ryan Miners, the Emily Kellers, and the Paul Quartermans are going to have to learn to deal with and how to use. We've seen how it's it's really disrupted our presidential election this time. Uh, I agree with that. People can can come in and, and give us fake news. Uh, <laughs> 60 Minutes tonight was fascinating to listen to, if, if you're able to. Um, and, and so that's really a discussion of a, of a whole other issue of how do we deal with that on all levels and, and it keep it to where it needs to be, and I don't have a quick answer to that one. Lou, I have someone. I, 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 um, someone is calling in at the moment, so if, if I, 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 I sure. pa- patch them into the queue. So I have a caller. I'm not sure who it is. I wish I had caller ID, but it's fine. So if someone, I just patched you in. If you, um, if you're on the other line, so feel free to announce yourself and uh, what you're calling about. Is it, is it me? <laughs> Hi, Ryan. Yes. It's Brandy. Oh, hi, Brandy. How are you? Hi, I'm great. I just had a um, – well, I've been, on, I've, I've been online, you know, for the, I think, pretty much the past couple hours, you know, checking about what everybody has to say and post, and I've been listening. And it's, um, it's really, I think, in the last couple minutes, been a little bit of an eye-opener as to um, the comments. The main majority okay. from people that I've heard from is um, – I understand earlier that there were a few, uh, I guess, Hagerstown folks that were considered idiots, and mm-hmm. the word was used quite often. Are you and, you're, um, okay? So you're referring to a comment that Councilman Metziner made earlier in the show. Is that is that my understanding? Yes, and I guess the, my main concern is is the fact that why any council member at all would ever consider. Um, really, any person of Hagerstown whatsoever um, of who they are, what they are, what they have, what they do, um, what category would be an idiot? 
I, I, I'm oh, just I'll not give you comfortable. That. No, 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 I can give you that. I'm not really comfortable about well, and, any and person. idiot is am I on it? An idiot is someone who accuses me of taking bribes publicly without any factual basis. An idiot is someone who accuses me of feathering my brother's business, of which the city of Hagerstown does no business with at all. An idiot is someone who decides on social media to call me an idiot or an asshole because they disagree with my position. And if you don't think that's an idiot, that's, you're more than welcome to take that position. But, well, uh, no, I wasn't I really sure because I haven't seen well, any that, posts those, about those, that. That's who I was talking about. And that is okay. Solon who I was talking about. And Ryan knows me well enough to know mm-hmm. that I am, listen, the reason I'm on this show is because I'm more than happy to have discourse with anybody who disagrees with me as long as we can have rational and reasonable discussions. Those are the people that I was talking about. No, I I'm, trust me, I'm all I'm definitely all for that. I mean, you know, everyone has to do what they have to do. It was just, you know, me just being a normal, you know, business person, college educated, you know, seeing the posts on social media. You know, I didn't know the behindness of people who have said things to you. It just came across to me as I wanted to listen in. You know, I wanted to be part of the community. Of course, I'm against the pod. I think the money is definitely wasted. I think it maybe it could have been free, or it could have possibly been something free. else local. But at the same time, you know, maybe it'll better. We'll wait and see what happens. But just as a person from the outside of the situation and hearing the, you know, hearing the conversation and then hearing the word, you know, idiots and Hagerstown, I was just like, you know, laying in bed by, beside my husband. I'm like, why is he calling people in Hagerstown idiots? Because Mm, I don't really I consider the majority of anybody idiots. I do know there are some people who are fantastic and this and that, but I wasn't quite sure as to who you were speaking about. Uh, well, I'm glad you asked and, and have it clarified, because I think I was making it very clear that those are the people I'm speaking about. Okay. And well, they weren't well, necessarily the people in Hagerstown. They were people on social media. I don't know if they live in Hagerstown or not. Well, that's another question I have to ask you that I noticed while I was listening is that um, it seemed to me, and it may be wrong, go ahead, um, coming across that um, you're not very social media. And I know, I'm, you know, I'm older and I have four kids, so social media, of course, to me, is pretty much Facebook. I don't Twitter or you know, other stuff or anything like yeah. that. But, no, but I do keep up to Yes, it, social media is really the voice of the time. The majority, and I actually did post the other day. Um, I had a there was a posting, and Emily Keller did reply back to me about the pod. And I, you know, I asked her why why was this pod purchased when clearly the majority of the people that I've seen on all the web pages, of course, are against it. Her response back to me was she had gotten numerous written responses of people who wanted it and only two mm-hmm. against it. And my response back to her was, well, did you only go from written pieces of paper? Do you not read the Herald Mail? Do you not see the comments? So I'm wondering, is it only going by what is written and sent in the mail and not what anybody's social media has to say anymore? I'll give you two answers. One, we didn't, 
We never purchased this pod. This pod has never been offered us for sale. It is being given to us. We are paying the cost of getting it here. Two, I do not legislate now, nor have I ever legislated, by what people say to me on social media or by what people write to me. I try to listen to people, but how many people do you think are commenting on social media? Maybe 40 but or 50? Should, but, but is it coming to no, the no, council? No, no, I'm just, just saying... Just, just hold on. Maybe 40 to 50 people are commenting on social media. Out of that 50, maybe 25 of them live in the city of Hagerstown. I, I, I mean, but, I don't see in any way, shape, or form why social media should have some greater impact on me than people who actually write a letter or an email and sign their name to it um, or, or not. Uh, we, we may no, have but had that's a good. Comment, so, a I mean, that's, what you're saying is good. So basically you're saying that, that you want letters. You, you know, you I, want I, the, I, invite, I invite all comments. I invite all comments. I, I, I take phone calls, I letters. I, I, but ultimately, the, the decision, an elected official ultimately has to make a decision. And what we hear from the community is, is we hear loud, but we don't hear from a lot. Again, I, I repeat, the social media people may be 40 or 50 people. Uh, we've had maybe 10 letters. I've had a number of phone calls, and I've had a, a number of emails and messages. There are also people, believe me, who do not want to go into social media and post and say, I support this, when they see the reaction that people give to that. They call them idiots. They call them nutcases. They call them the same names that they call me. So what we do, the people who support this, they go ahead and privately tell you through messages, emails, and letters. Because a lot of them do not want to be subjected to the criticism from people they never even heard of because they say they supported something. And, 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 I, and I totally I, get that. But at the same time, it's a day and an age now where actually social media is really a big part. I mean, not, I'm not just saying that. I'm just saying like Herald Mail. Putting the post up on, you know, you know the, the, you know, the information on the Herald Mail and just reading, just reading the people's comments. I mean, that was one of the things that I posted. Is oh, you nobody just the, reading the, the comments? The old, the, on, old, the old mail call stuff? You know, Paul Young no, is somebody. Let me, let me identify one of those mail call people that you're talking about. Paul Young is one of them. Paul Young is one of those people that I described to you earlier who wanted to accuse me of taking bribes and other things. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh, I didn't But, but that. I mean, that's somebody who calls, that's somebody who calls in regularly to the Herald Mail. Uh, and there, there are about 10 to 12 people. Rodney Gessford, who calls in from the left. Oh, God. Paul Young, who calls in from the right. I, 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 There's 10 I, to 15 people. I'm not listening to those people. No. I'm but that's to the whole point of the fact is, is that the majority of people, people are on Facebook. I mean, we're not asking, we're not asking you to comment it. back, but do you not? No, that's I the know, whole point. but how many is of with, those with people the pod, are even No one sees the responses that have been coming through. They have been on yard sale sites. They've been on the Herald Mail. They've been on numerous sites. 
And there have been, and I, I get it that people don't want you, but there, I mean, I've noticed just from my small little world, the fact of, I think out of 50 people in a post that I've seen about this on different posts, only two people have said something good. And then the rest of the right. people and are how, against how it. Many of and you don't have to listen are, to are it, but do, do the council read it? Do they posts, see it? How many of those folks are taxpaying citizens of Eggerstown? Can you tell me? No. Well, why should but I then you, to But do you want it in the mail, why though? Because you said that if somebody that comes to you and calls you or mails you, do you verify that? That's a question, too. Oh. So Let if me you, jump in. I you said you prefer people. that. Do you verify I, that? I know those people. They're people oh. who I know. You, people They're that you know are the them. ones who are contacting you. So the people Ma'am. that you don't know. Ma'am. And that's the whole please. point. Will you just give me a second here? I've lived yeah. in the city. I've lived in the city for 64 years. I've been elected in the city for 20 years. When I say I know these people, I know the people who live in this town. If I verified every one of these people, most of them leave names and addresses. Most of them I actually do know by name. And secondly, if I am not going to give... W- the people who are criticizing the bear in City Park live in Fallen Waters, West Virginia. And quite candidly, no. If I don't know that somebody is a taxpaying constituent of this city, I could care less what their opinion is. Well, then what about me? What if I were to t- say to you, I'm against the pod? I don't, I don't like the pod. I don't want anything to do with the pod. And you saw me on Facebook which, because you don't know me. I, I'm in the city. But you don't. Well, I, you could care less. If I don't know that, if I, I own my own home. That. But you, but you just said you don't. You know everyone, but you don't know me. I have a home. I have a house. I live here with my four kids. I own it. But you don't know the me. Ans- the, the, the answer to your question is: social media did not make and will not make my decision on where we legislate in Hagerstown. Let me and, let me jump in I don't here. Think that's, let me just I don't jump think it should make a Please. total decision, but I think at least back. somewhat. So, Brandy, let me ask you a question, and and I, and I, and this is excellent dialogue, and I, 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 I'm I'm happy to host this this forum as often as possible, and I appreciate Councilman Metzner being accessible to constituents. Um, Brandy, have you ever had an opportunity to? to come out to a city council meeting and speak before the city council and, and public comments portion and kind of express your thoughts or your feelings to, to the council? No, unfortunately I have not. I have done other things through church and so I have not. I have four children. So sure. hey, Brandy, pretty Brandy, Brandy, we just had an election not long ago. Were you involved in the in this local election at all? Did you come out to any forums? I came out come, to one, which was to support Emily Keller. And you know Emily supports the pod. Yes, I do. And I also okay. know that I voiced to her on Facebook that I was completely against it. And uh, that I, I thought, and she had a conversation with me, and it was very nice. And I did tell her I was completely rooting for her. I am so glad Hagerstown got her. She is my love. too. I love her, and Emily I think she would, is fantastic, Emily, and I think she needs to find her voice. Emily will tell you that I endorsed her, okay, when we were both <laughs> running against each other. 
So there should be no misunderstanding. And the, the fact is, yeah, I will listen to, to everybody and anybody. We listen to people about the cultural trail. And I guess the whole bottom line is we're, we're getting a $15,000 expenditure that we're discussing now, and I'm saying it was already discussed by hundreds of people at multiple public forums when we discussed the million and a half dollars that we were spending. That, that's well, what is the best point. way? Those that's the thing, though. Don't... If you don't think Facebook media is the best way, then we'll, I mean, literally, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you uh, know, sarcastic no, here. No, no. What is the I'm best going to answer way your question. to voice we, your we, opinion? We advertised and had public, multiple public community meetings at the library community room, various places. You have to understand the majority of of, of Hagerstown, or most of America, can't take away from the kids and and stuff. Letters and emails. Letters and emails. Letters and emails. Yeah. So social media doesn't... If you write the letters and the emails, they go farther. If you you write me a letter or send me an email, and it has your name, your address on it, your contact point where you would like me to respond to you, that's how you do it. Yeah. I'm not going to get and play games on social media. I, I, I post on social media. The last two posts I posted, I engaged with them for about a day, and then I had to remove the post when people started getting hateful and started calling names. And, and I won't. I, I don't, don't have anything to do with that. But, yeah, a letter or an email with any contact information at all, well, see, yeah, that's good information actually to have because a lot of people do sure. think. A lot of people no. out there right now, as far as me, think that social media and us putting our voice out there, no different than when I messaged Emily. And I told her, I said, are yeah. you not reading the Herald Mail? Are you not reading all the comments? Why is nobody listening to anybody? And if this is the way that you guys are yeah, making a whole nother, you know, the decisions, then things. maybe that's what whole people nother... need to know. Whole another old-fashioned way of doing things, like writing letters, making phone calls, <laughs> having human contact with people. And I, well, Lou, I let me ask you. Sarcastic. Yeah. Lou, let yeah, me a little ask bit you longer, part. Ryan, because I am an old fart and got to go to bed. Okay. I even had to set well, my alarm to make sure I was awake. I, no, I know, and I appreciate your time, <laughs> and this it, this means a lot. Um, so, but, but, Councilman, I think what she's saying is is that, you know, I we have – Social media is such a pervasive forum and medium to it's, to connect with elected it's officials. It's fascinating. I, I had a phone call. Listen, I had a phone call, and I can't wait. I responded to, to the phone message of what I appear for the first time ever on the flip side, which I'm sure you're familiar with, oh, on yeah. this very issue, this very issue of social media. The folks at the flip side apparently – we're reading this whole social media thing about the pod and saw what I'm talking about and called me up and asked what I get on flip side and talk about the role of social media and local politics. And and I am happy, uh, and I'd be happy to come back on your podcast. And oh, have that is, is a whole separate discussion of how you deal with, with social media. I'm uh, hopefully going down to the MML convention this year, and if they don't do it, I'm going to suggest it's about time that we have some seminars on how local legislators should engage with social media. But for those listening, that that it's a crucial issue. If 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 people can't if if I can't identify somebody as a constituent, people got to recall that social media people. I get friend requests. I, I've learned 
then I got to look and see who people are. I got friend request uh, today from somebody in Melbourne, Florida, and I oh. get on there and I look. They don't even have any other friends, you know. So, uh, social media really? is an interesting platform. Nobody really wants to deal with the social media. I've been on plenty of groups where I've been bashed for things that I've said, and I, mm. you know, and I immediately get, I immediately just leave myself from the group and get out. Nobody wants to. You know, I'm almost 40. I have, you know, I have a teenager. I don't like the social media, but it mm. is the time, and it is that's what's coming to it, and it is a lot of the voices are social media, and people don't seem to realize that. A lot of people don't want to take the time nowadays to write a letter and, you know, do these things. That's why I asked oh, Emily, listen, how did you, how did you get to the decisions that you made? And she said people wrote her, and I was just, okay, that was great. I'm glad that we now know way to go because the majority of us, just like me, thought, oh, well, they're, re- they're reading social media. They see what's going on, and apparently that wasn't the case, that well, social media you know, wasn't it considered. Is, it, it, it is, but I, I hope you're understanding more and more when you realize that social media encompasses not only a whole city, a whole county, a whole state, a whole nation, but literally a whole world. And unless you can identify, when you look at social media, you know, and when you say, when I said I know who people are, there's a whole lot of people on social media, yeah, I know who they are. But but people like like you, you and I have never met, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, never met. So, so how would I know that you are, in fact, a constituent in Hagerstown on social media, when I know for a fact, I, I guess one of the ways I could do it is every time there's a post, I could click on you and, and, and take a look. And I'm sorry I don't do that with all these folks. As a matter of fact, uh, I plead guilty. I plead really guilty. The folks I do that to are the people that I'm describing to you as idiots. And, oh, and, and trust maybe me, I, I, and, and I maybe am completely I'm, with you on that. I am I'm actually totally the admin of the clicking, largest Town yard sale site, and I have to do that every day. Chris Abbott's so yard sale site. I apologize for that, but, but yeah. And but I have to click on it goes. every day to make sure that every person is a resident in this county. Every day. I'm actually yeah, there so usually 500 people. So it is very hard, and I understand that a lot and, of people and, and don't so want to do so that. I'm a little lazy, little lazy on that, and I think a lot of us engage in, in the social media, and, and you get a feel for things, but unfortunately it doesn't take a whole lot of bad apples just to make it the kind of thing that you don't even want to really engage in, and it's a shame. And, again, I, I find it a very useful thing uh, with connecting with old friends and folks, and, and I agree with you. And listen, it is it is imperative that we have these discussions because of this whole issue with fake news. Uh, you know, one of the the posts tonight that was that was on social media tonight that was advertising that I was going to be on was the discussion of the hundred thousand dollars that the city was going to spend to bring the pod to Hagerstown. <laughs> now that was on a social media post tonight advertising this podcast. Yes, but a and lot of people know that's BS. A lot of people, well, well hopefully a lot of people should know what is happening. So how and what should isn't. somebody like how should somebody like me even want to engage? And, and then I think the same person, you know, posted something really nice about me. So yeah, who knows? But um, 
But that that's the answer that uh, I think you'll find, and we don't have email addresses, and, and that gets a much better response. Um, and there's a lot of organizations, plus the fact, again, I reiterate, that this was money that was already discussed in the budgetary issues, and it's going to be even worse when we talk about raising taxes this year. People are going to go crazy because oh. they're going to see we're spending this much. Listen, Ryan, because you're they're going to think that they're raising taxes for topics that really nobody wants. Right. Now, I, I am assuming, Ryan, you're very familiar with the advertising we have to put out for the, the tax rate every year or two. Yeah, what's of it course, called? Yeah. The, um, uh, what's what's the name of it? Do you remember? I always have trouble remembering. Constant yield or constant yield notice, right? Yep, yep. So the constant yield notice is required by the state of Maryland because historically, if you didn't raise your taxes, you had to tell the people you you were really lying to them because if you if you didn't raise your taxes, you really were because assessments were going up. So the state requires you to advertise how much you would actually have to lower your tax rate for a constant yield to have the same income. You know what our constant yield rate's gonna be this year? We have to raise our taxes three cents. We have to raise our tax rate three cents in order to generate the same amount of income that was generated last year at a three cent lower tax rate because again, our triannual assessment of our real estate and Hagerstown has fallen instead of risen. And so as soon as you tell people you're raising the tax rate three cents, they think that you're actually raising their taxes, and you haven't even touched their taxes yet. I think our our recommendation by our administrator is going to be for a five-cent tax increase. And, yeah, people will go crazy. And um, But if you're not willing to stand the heat, then you shouldn't be in the kitchen, and I'm a, a legislature, for at least um, – at least one more term. I don't know that well, there'll be another one. So I don't know anybody will be able to vote me out, but uh, that's how that Councilman, is. Councilman Metzner, to that point, yeah, it's been, what, two years since the city increased the real property tax rate, which I believe stands at 91.3% per $100 of assessed value. So the, your council last year avoided a tax increase, but you did – pass a 1.5% hike in 2015, and then in 2014, I believe, you passed an 11-cent increase. Is that correct? Well, now now you want to talk terminology, and I'm going to, I'm going to engage with you for a couple minutes and leave everybody behind when <laughs> I tell you that we increased the tax rate in the city of Hagerstown by 11 cents and didn't increase the taxes at all. How do you like that? That goes okay. over like a lead balloon, doesn't it, Ryan? So this is the oh, way yeah. that game goes. Let me, let, me, let me explain it to you because it's the truth. Uh, we were the only municipality in the, uh, in the city. Some time ago, the county decided to go from a tax rebate to a tax set-off. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Of course. Okay. So – what they used to do is they used to write the city of Hagerstown a check for about a million or so dollars to reflect the services that we give that the county doesn't have to, like police services. So 
close to one of their elections, they decided to change the formula. So instead of giving the city of Hagerstown a check, they just lowered the tax rate to the citizens of Hagerstown, the county tax rate. All right? So it cost their budget not one penny because they didn't change anything. They just said instead of cutting you a check for a million three, city of Hagerstown, we're going to reduce the tax rate the county tax rate to the citizens of Hagerstown. So your budget just got decreased by $1.3 million. You, Funkstown, Smithsburg, Boonesboro, when that happened, every municipality except for the city of Hagerstown raised their taxes to offset that differential. The taxpayers themselves saw no difference at all in what it cost. The city Mm -hmm. didn't do it. And about a year later, made up the difference by raising the tax rate 11 cents, which brought it back to where it had been. So my answer to you is when we had the largest tax decrease in the city of Hagerstown is when that 11 cent tax increase didn't take place. Nobody said a word. <laughs> so so that's the answer. The, the taxes have not gone up substantially at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so... But it's With something that, that's difficult to understand. No, and I and I I appreciate you explaining this, and I appreciate the conversation that and the and the uh, the the serious conversation you had with one of your Hagerstown constituents, and uh, I'm glad that she called in and you you had an opportunity to hear from from someone. So, Councilman. Um, with that, we'll we'll wrap up the discussion. I know both of us have to go to bed. I have to get up early tomorrow. Probably you do as well. So, um, quarter in the morning. Four? You get up at four in the morning? Oh, no, court, court. I have court in the morning. Oh, I thought you said you get up at four. Well, no, you do. Yeah, no. you have. Uh, you're you're a very busy man. And by the way, I I am I'm going to do this, Lou, and you may get mad at me, but um, you are the best damn attorney. In, in Western Maryland, despite what Robin Ficker has to say, um, I, <laughs> <laughs> you are the, the one of the finest attorneys I know in um, Washington County and in, throughout Western Maryland and anywhere in the state of Maryland. So um, I encourage people to call you if they ever need any sort of legal services, um, and I mean that sincerely. So, Lou, oh, any I final thoughts? I appreciate thought? that very much. Absolutely, Lou. Absolutely. Yeah, my final thoughts, Ryan, are, is, is, you know, I, I think a couple things have really been interesting tonight. And, and I think the most interesting one of them is, is the whole issue of, of social media and where that plays in our national psyche. Um, as I say, it, it, it's, it, it's at the national level. I didn't get to hear your whole podcast tonight, but I know uh, what the other section was about, about what's happened in Montgomery County. And that goes right back to social media again, doesn't it? Because if social media didn't exist, what happened in Montgomery County would be a very localized, uh, different thing than it is now. And if social media didn't exist, the conversation you and I are having tonight um, wouldn't be having. So we have to learn how to use it correctly. And again, candidly, I so much more would rather have engaged tonight in a discussion of whether we should spend $5 million to shut down Edgemont Reservoir or spend $10 million to 
to uh, retrofit Edgemont Reservoir and the Bruckner uh, plant. $5 million distinction. Huge discussion about whether we should have a second water source for the city of Hagerstown. And the reason we're having a discussion about a $15,000 movement to accept a $300,000 sculpture versus the discussion about a $5 million infrastructure issue is because of social media. And that is a discussion I would love to have with you for another night. Oh, sure. Well, Lou, you're always welcome on here. And we, I, I really focus a, a majority of this show on Western Maryland, specifically the city of Hagerstown. And people ask, well, you live in Montgomery. Well, I, I grew up in the city of Hagerstown. Um, I lived inside of the city until I was either nine or ten years old. My entire family grew up inside of the city of Hagerstown, so we are generational Hagerstonians. It is my home. It is my hometown. I love the city, um, and I love everything about it. And it, you know, ev- with every city, um, there is complications and there's room for improvement. But I believe that you have the right leadership in place, and I think that. You, the, the the administration that you have in place now is promising, and it's on the right track. And you guys and, – and I would just say this to you, Lou, as just friend to friend. Keep doing what you're doing to promote public education, especially in downtown Hagerstown. Do not allow some of the contingencies in Washington County to dissuade you from investing in education, especially the Barbara Ingram School for the Arts, and especially an academic hub. These are worthwhile investments. And anybody to say otherwise, to say that it's cost too much money, it's not. And look what just happened with Clayton Wilcox. And I want—I don't want him to go off on a tangent, but Clayton Wilcox was one of the best things, to best individuals to ever serve as superintendent of public schools, and look at what happened at the last election. The board dynamic changed. Uh, you have people on the board who really have no business serving in a capacity of serving public education. Donna Brightman lost her race, and then Clayton Wilcox goes on to a, a, a better gig. And now I think education you will find in Washington County will suffer because you have some pretty bad people who currently sit on that board. And I I mean that, Lou. I'm scared for public education in Washington County after this past election. Well, the only thing I can respond to about that is this. When it comes to your discussion about our downtown, uh, you are preaching to the choir. Many of us have taken the the distinction and said we no longer – refer to the A&E district as the Arts and Entertainment District. It is now the Arts and Education District. And for those who don't know what the $37 million project that I'm talking about is, it's education with a little bit of arts. It's the Barbara Ingram School for the Arts. It's the University of System of the University of Maryland uh, expansion with a uh, physician's assistance program and others, and it's expansion of the Maryland Theater. And uh, education is what is going to make downtown Hagerstown survive. I agree. And I I can't say enough that your council, um, and I know that the previous mayor and the current mayor are invested in in supporting education initiatives and drawing and basically enveloping 
education around downtown Hagerstown and inspiring a, a culture where people want to come downtown to be educated. And Lou, I, I just I urge you to continue to push hard and bat and push hard against the naysayers who truly don't know what the heck is going on. But I appreciate you coming on the show. You're a stand-up guy, Lou. Uh, you've been a good friend for a long time, and I really appreciate you staying up late with us tonight. And uh, we'll have another discussion. So with that, um, you you have a great week, and thanks for joining us, Lou. My pleasure. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. All right. Take it easy. And with that, we will end the show. Have a great week. You are listening to A Minor Detail on Blog Talk Radio. Bye-bye.